Jehovah Mekadesh, which means the Lord, our sanctifier. We've been looking at the names of God, and, and today is the last Sunday in this series of checking out the names of God. Names mean something, that names are special. You know, my name, you might not know this, I go by Lane, but my real name is Frederick Lane Haslock II. Yeah, that's a kind of a strong name. Now, speaking of names, I wanted to, my son's name is Max. And honestly, I wanted to name my son Horatio, Horatio Noble. Isn't that a strong name? Max won out, but Horatio Noble. So I guess it was probably was best. But names mean something. You know, there's something that if my children want something really bad, that there is one name that they can call me, and more than likely it increases the chances that they're going to get it or that I'll listen. It's daddy. Yes, you got it. Daddy. I've got a 16-year-old and a 10-year-old, and either one, you know, either one of them, they say daddy, and you know, instantly your heart melts. You know, you're kind of softened to, to what they're going to say. You know, these names of God are similar. That God would present the, his, his special name to his people when they were going through some difficult time. When they needed to know something more about their heavenly father. Today we're talking about Jehovah Mekadesh, the Lord, our sanctifier. To sanctify means to make holy. If you get your message notes and follow along with me, you'll see there down kind of midway is Leviticus chapter 20, verse 7. And this is kind of the theme verse uh, of, of this message. It says, consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am the Lord God, because I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and follow him. I am the Lord who makes you holy. You also look on your sheet there. There are various ways that God goes about uh, making us holy. And also it's kind of interesting that this process of being sanctified has two parts. The first part is God's part. He sanctifies us. We see here through the blood, the body and blood of Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, through God's word, through discipline and hardship, through empowering us, but there's also our part, and this verse in Leviticus kind of addresses that, because the first part is, consecrate yourselves and be holy. That's kind of addressing our part in the process. Now, our part is to constantly be in God's Word. Someone once said that the when we read God's word, and we soak it up, and we memorize it, and we, we cherish it, and hold on to it, and, it, and it doesn't, you know, like go in one ear or out the other, that it gives the Holy Spirit vocabulary to speak scripture into our lives. Also, our part involves avoiding immorality in its various kinds, that we live for God, and not conforming to the pattern of this world that we're living sacrifices. You know, at that time in the Old Testament, they would, they would do various different types of sacrifices. But once the animal is sacrificed, it's dead. 
but a living sacrifice as God calls us to be is, is continually that we continually offer ourselves to God. And finally, we see here that we can increase in our holiness by increasing our reverence for God. We gather each uh, Sunday as, as, a, as a group, and we, we pray over the service. We pray over the teachers, over the tech, over, over anybody serving. And, and when it kind of came to my time to pray, I kind of just had to confess that I'm nervous. I was nervous because we're talking about, it's like I want to do God justice talking about holiness. Holiness is huge. And, and I feel short talking about it. And I want to let you know ahead of time that, that in today's message, it's probably going to cause more questions than answers. That my hope is that in talking about holiness, what holiness looks like in our holy God, that it will kind of whet your appetite to want to know more. And that's why you have that kind of down there at the bottom that those verses that hopefully today or sometime soon you can follow up with today's message by taking a look at holiness. So now let me ask you, if you were to describe God in one word, what would it be? Think about it for a moment. If you were to describe God in one word, what would it be? Now, if you haven't yet, introduce yourself to the person kind of next to you, to your right, to your left. If you don't know them already, I would like you to share that word with them. So if you were to describe God in one word, what would it be? Okay, go ahead and take, now take a moment and share that with them. <laughs> I see you shaking hands with your spouses. Hi, nice to see you. So go ahead and share. If you were to describe God in one word, what would that word be? All right, now, now I'm going to ask you to kind of, uh, to kind of clap. Uh, I'm going to name maybe some, some possible things that you may have said. And if you said any one of these, go ahead and clap. We'll kind of judge to see where we are. If you said something like that God is awesome, powerful, big, strong, and mighty, clap. All right, you all were ready. You jumped. All right. Okay, very good. Now, if you said something like wise or all-knowing, clap. Okay. Now, if you said something about loving, caring, or compassionate, clap. Okay? Man, you know, first hour I was like, I was saying that I need to get like an applause meter so we can kind of see that. All right, now finally, um, now by the way, the first service, no one clapped on God being wise or all-knowing either. So it's just kind of interesting. Okay, now, what about holy? Okay. There, there's a, there's, there were several. There were several. Thankfully, it wasn't just kind of a sympathy, kind of a sympathy clap. You know, the golfers clap. Holy. I read that the word holy in its various forms occurs 900 times in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, from beginning to end, in both the Old and New Testaments. It's declared that God is not doesn't say that God is not wise, wise, wise. 
or loving, loving, loving. But Scripture says in both the Old and New Testaments, beginning and the end, that God is holy, holy, holy. Maybe you've heard this before, but those people who study God's word say that whenever the Bible wants to emphasize that something is important, the Bible repeats itself. And so we have in Isaiah, and we will notice in Revelation that the angels, the seraphim, cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy. Check out Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs. I'm going to pause for a second. As if Isaiah wasn't completely overwhelmed as it is, beholding God in all his awesomeness, there are seraphs. Flying above him. They are multi-winged creatures. Their name literally means fiery burning ones. Their cries shake the temple. Verse 2. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two, they covered their faces. With two, they covered with their feet. And with two, they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. I'll encourage you, you'll want to come back later and check this out. You want to check out what, what Isaiah is talking about and what happens next. But we see that his encounter with God ends with him saying, Woe to me! I am ruined. We notice here that Isaiah, in, in response to his encounter with our holy God, he's not going, hey God, give me a bear hug. You know, one, one minister kind of challenged me with this. And when, at that, when I first heard it, I didn't, really, I didn't really like what he was saying. But the older that I got, the more it became true to me. Because he said, that, he said there are some people that when, they, when, when, the, when the end of time comes and they're standing there before God or they see Jesus Christ, there are some people who think that they're going to come up, as we mentioned, and just give them a big bear hug. Say, what I'm going to do, speaking for himself, and then now as, as an adult, now I realize more and more that when I stand before my holy God, I'm going to fall before him flat on my face and cry out, Jesus Christ, I am washed in the blood of the Lamb. I am holy not because of what I have done, but because what Jesus Christ did for me. Because holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So in Isaiah, in the Old Testament, we have that. Now, in the New Testament, in Revelation chapter 4, you're going to also see this. Different authors, 
huge time span in between, but the same Holy Spirit. And so you will see a lot of similarities in what happened in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. But I'll go ahead and tell you, because you all are pretty sharp, that you'll notice that the seraphim in Revelation, it's going to talk about them having eyes all over their bodies. Now, these seraphim were also called shape-shifters. That sometimes when you see them in the Bible, they have a face of a lion. And sometimes you see them, they have a face of a man. And, and so it's a lot of bizarre stuff going on. So, so you'll notice they all have eyes, but there's a lot of similarities. So let's check that out. Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Now, if you look at this next slide, you'll see that you've got on one side you have Isaiah. On the next side you have Revelation. Isaiah, you have holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Revelation, you have holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. We're going to split the center row straight down the middle. This side here, you all will read Isaiah. This side from here over, you will read Revelation. Now, it might sound like a big mess, but what I'd like us to do is on the count of three, I want you all to read Isaiah. You guys read Revelation. And let's do it three times through. Maybe we can get a sense of maybe what heaven is going to be like. So let's read. Ready? One, two, three. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy. Okay, last time. Holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth. Okay, now let's stand up. Let's do it one more time. And let us put all of ourselves in that let's not leave anything on the field you know if you play sports I don't play sports I don't know how I know that but leave it all on the field let's leave it all in here ready one two three holy 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 God Almighty. the whole earth is glory holy holy is the Lord God who was and is is okay last time Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of me, who was and is and is to come. You may be seated. There was one time, well, I have to confess, I did play sports, but I was a bandy. Do we have any bandies in here? Were you a band in high school? Okay, okay, I'm with you. Solidarity. Or us bandies, you might relate, or you don't have to be a bandy to appreciate this. I went to a, a drum and beagle corps uh, contest once. 
and they were practicing, and they were, they were going through the warm-ups, and the band director went like this. Now, I played drums, so I didn't know what this meant, but when he did that, all of a sudden, they had this harmony and they all of the different instruments came together and thankfully I was positioned right where all the bells of their horns were facing and it just blew me away and in that moment I was caught up and said I wonder if heaven is going to be anything like this holy 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 is the Lord God almighty So if God is our sanctifier, which means to make holy, and God is holy, 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 what does holiness mean? To say that God is holy, I read that he is eternally separate and distinct. Holiness has the notion of separation, of uniqueness, of one of a kindness. To truly begin to understand the biblical concept of holiness, we have to expand our thinking, and it's going to hurt. You know, I know, I know myself, when I prepare to preach, and as Brian, as he preaches on a more regular basis every week, that we experience what we're going to be preaching that we struggle through this. And you notice that I'm going to give you a lot of quotes or a lot of excerpts of things that are read And I'm reading it because it makes me uncomfortable. And it's challenging me in my thinking of what holiness is. And so I'm struggling through this as you are. Some of it you're going to go, yeah, that's good. Others are going to go, oh, that sounds kind of strange. This idea of holiness is something that, that we kind of fall short in understanding. We kind of think of holiness as being good, but being very, very good. A little bit more, and that's what holiness is. But even that falls very short. A.W. Tozer writes this, Neither the writer nor the reader of these words is qualified to appreciate the holiness of God. Quite literally, a new channel must be cut through the desert of our minds to allow the sweet waters of truth that will heal our great sickness to flow in. We cannot grasp the true meaning of the divine holiness by thinking of something or someone very pure and then raising the concept to the highest degree we are capable of. God's holiness is not simply the best we know, infinitely bettered. We know nothing like the divine holiness. It stands apart, unique, unapproachable, incomprehensible. The natural man is blind to it. He may fear God's power and admire his wisdom, but his holiness he cannot even imagine. You know, there's a story of this Christian journalist who went on a tour of the Holy Land to see Israel. And he, he did some of the typical things I guess you do on a Holy Land tour that they, they bobbed in the Dead Sea and they had Peter fish in the Sea of Galilee. They ascended the fortress of Masada. They prayed at the Western Wall. They sat amid Gethsemane's twisted olive trees. But for me, he writes, the highlight of the trip wasn't a place but a person, their guide named Amir. Amir was in his late 50s, stocky with skin that looked like leather from leading trips to the Holy Land for three decades. And each site, he'd find kind of a 
tucked away place, away from the crowd. And he would gather a semicircle around them. And he, be, he would begin to tell them about the historical significance of this place and the theological significance behind it. He sounded more like a preacher than a tour guide. And this was one of those particular times. He said, with the Mount of Olives shimmering in the background, Amir described what he saw as the basic problem of the universe. God longs to come down to earth, but there's a problem. And he leaned forward and stretched out his arms and then said that his presence is like plutonium. Nothing can live near plutonium. If God came to earth, both the righteous and unrighteous would perish. We would all die. Now the Christian journalist writes, initially Amir's metaphor struck me strange. I've heard God described as a father, a master, a king, a warrior, a judge, but plutonium? Yet as I, as I recounted God's interaction with the ancient Israelites, I wondered if Amir was not Onto something. Check out Isaiah 96 9. It says, The Holy Spirit says through David, Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. How? How are we to worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness? By trembling. Tremble before him, all the earth. Tremble? Kind of sounds like Isaiah's response. What was Isaiah's response to the holy God? Woe to me, for I have sinned. When Isaiah talked about that, when you read that passage, I'll kind of give you a spoiler alert. When you read that passage, Isaiah talks about that he is a man of unclean lips from a people of unclean lips. He's not saying that he said something that he shouldn't have, and that's why his lips were unclean. In that culture, when they would worship the false god, Baal, in their worship, they would kiss the idols. And in the presence of the holy God, Isaiah couldn't but confess his unrighteousness. And he confessed, I am a man of unclean lips, a people of unclean lips, which meant that he and his people were involved in the act of worshiping idols. Woe to me, I am ruined. Now that, that encounter has an incredible ending. And so I encourage you to read that, to check that out for to check that out for yourself to see. Because there was hope for Isaiah, and there's hope for you and me. The Holy Spirit says through David, worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness, tremble before him all the earth. Now, it's understandable that right now you're kind of scratching your head. Maybe you're balking at, at what we're talking about. God's holiness, his holy otherness, his separateness from us. It's talked about very often in Scripture. But it's not talked very often maybe in popular culture. It's not talked about very often in the church. 
Now, when I say popular culture, if you can consider a song from 1995 popular culture, then I'm with you. So maybe you've heard from this philosopher, Joan Osborne. I was told that she's from Kentucky. Makes sense. So she sings this song, What If God Was One of Us? Now I'm just going to kind of read through it. I could, if I did kind of like a little slow groove and was kind of wispy like, like she was, you might get that feel, but you don't want me to do that. I'm just going to go ahead and read the words. What if God was one of us, just a slob like one of us, just a stranger on the bus, trying to make his way home, trying to make his way home, back up to heaven all alone, nobody calling on the phone, except the Pope maybe in Rome. Now I've got to hand it to her because in, in parts, it is a pretty deep song, seriously. It's got a lot of spiritual overtones. Listen to the, to the first few uh, verses to the song. So one of these nights at about 12 o'clock, this old world's going to reel and rock. Saints will tremble and cry for pain, for the Lord's going to come in a heavenly airplane. If God made a name, what would it be? And would you call it to his face if if you were faced with him in all his glory? What would you ask if you had just one question? And it goes on saying, yeah, 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 God is great. God is good. Talking about the saints will tremble. Remember we told you about Isaiah trembling and how the verse in Psalms talks about us trembling. I don't know about the heavenly airplane part. But then she talks about if God has a name. We've been talking about the special names of God that he reveals to his people. And then she talks about being faced with God in all his glory and repeatedly mentions his goodness and greatness. Now I'm wondering maybe if this song is, is unique or maybe the lyrics of today talk about that and, and search for godliness. But as far as movies, they kind of leave a little bit to be desired because in movies, God is kind of like Morgan Freeman. Now, now, me personally, I would let, me personally, I see God more like James Earl Jones, you know, honestly, you know. But if you're old enough, it's George Burns, if, re, if you remember those movies. Now, here's the thing. We expect this in culture, yet it's rather eye-opening when it happens in the church. Now, I'm going to share a few excerpts from something that I found which really stepped on my toes. And it might step on your toes a little too. It says that we evangelicals love talking about God's love. Just drop in on one of our church services, turn on the radio and listen, and you'll hear worship courses dripping with lyrics that border on romantic. The sermon will gush with assurances of God's affection. I'm guilty. While such affirmations, now stick with me, okay? Such affirmations are good, we need reminders of God's love. It's like trying to live though only on desserts. We need meat. Rarely do we speak about God's majesty, let alone whisper a word about his wrath. Instead, Jesus is a homeboy, or like a 
boyfriend. God is the big guy upstairs. We talk of divine holiness or talk of divine holiness is dismissed as legalistic or judgmental. The Bible, however, describes God in sobering terms. Among the various titles given, he is called a consuming fire, and that's in the New Testament. Sometimes we like to say, oh, well, that's the God of the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, he's the God of love. Wrong, because in the New Testament, he's described as being a consuming fire who should be worshipped with reverence and awe. He's described as being the Lord of hosts, a title that portrays God poised for battle at the head of a heavenly army. In addition, the Bible stresses that God is not human. We might imagine that God is sort of a superman, just like you and me, but some additional powers. But that kind of thinking betrays a dangerous illusion. God is radically different from us in degree and kind. God is not one of us. If he was, wouldn't it be scary? Because we'd both be lost. God is holy. He is holy other than us, only when we marvel at his majesty will we achieve the deep intimacy that grows out of a true appreciation of who God is. The cruel irony of choosing God's love over his holiness is that we end up losing both. Let me read that again. The cruel irony of choosing God's love over his holiness is that we end up losing both because the affection of a familiar buddy deity isn't worth much. Only the love of the Lord of heaven and earth who dwells in unapproachable light is truly awe-inspiring. When we lose sight of God's greatness, his love loses Meaning, only when we rediscover the holiness of God will we be overwhelmed by his love. Only then will we realize how truly good the news of the gospel of Jesus Christ really is. That his holy God turns out to really love us. But let's never forget that he is the God of Isaiah 6. He is the God of Revelation 4. His throne is still exalted. The, fer- the seraphim are still crying holy. And so must we. Let's end as we began. Leviticus chapter 20. Verses 7 through 8. It says, Consecrate yourselves and be holy. Because I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and follow him. I am the Lord who makes you holy. So no, no, or we don't just recognize God and his holiness. But we also recognize that God calls us to be holy as well. Be holy, God says, as I am holy. Is a refrain that is repeated both in the Old and New Testaments, for us to be holy as God is holy. And my hope is that one of your responses today is that you get along with yourself 
in your Bible and you look through the amazing things that God uses to make us holy. That he uses his Holy Spirit, the same powerful spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living inside of us, bringing life to our bodies that were once dead in sin, now are being made alive through Christ Jesus. That God uses his word. John 17, 17, that Jesus says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. That means that we need to get into our word more and more and more. Through discipline and hardship. It's not pleasant at the time. No discipline is. But it is an expression of God's love. And that he's using that to shape us. He's using that to make us more holy. And God also empowers us. That is God's part. Now what about our part? We see that our part is we must constantly be in God's word. Because all scripture is God breathed. And is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking. And training in righteousness. So that we may be thoroughly equipped. Avoid immorality in its various kinds. We want to be living sacrifices for God. You know, a sacrifice in the Old Testament, they would sacrifice an animal and it's dead. A living sacrifice gives itself over and over again. And we want to give ourselves to God. We want to be his servants. We want to be his living sacrifice and allow God to live through us over and over again. And the next part of that is to not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. This talk of holiness is so counter to the way the world works. So I just want to prepare you for that. But God says be holy as I am holy. It's what he's calling us to do. Increase our reverence for God. Is another tool that God uses. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and follow him. I am the Lord who makes you holy. I purposely left out another tool that God uses. And I hate to say the word tool. But what God uses is the blood and body of Jesus Christ. Again, it's not our holiness. It's not on our own. It's the holiness because of Jesus Christ. We, because we are made holy. Because he is. Let us pray. And after the prayer, the men are going to come and pass the offering plates. That we get to remember what Jesus Christ did for us. When we take of the bread that represented his body. Or represents his body in the cup that represents his blood. That he shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And we take that in remembrance of his death, burial, and resurrection. We take it in thinking towards the future of when he's going to come again. And today we can now take it thanking God. Because he uses the blood and body of Jesus Christ to make us holy. Let us pray. Dear God, Heavenly Father, you are mighty. You are wonderful. I thank you, God, just for making us holy. I thank you, God, for being holy. I pray, Lord, that your spirit might be able to help us, that, that, we can, that we can figure this out, that we can grasp what it means more 
and more. Father, I pray, Lord, that more and more each day, each moment, that we can gain more appreciation for your holiness and be in all of you. We thank you, God, for what Jesus did for us. In Jesus' name we pray.